Amen. Well, good evening. Um, my name's Ollie Benyon. I'm the curate here, and if I haven't met you, um, hi. And um, if you're new here, especially a warm welcome to you. And uh, some of you may have come from, anyone came from the newcomers uh, thing last week? Anyone come from that? Didn't scare you off. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for coming. And uh, so it's great to have you. Let's pray before we get stuck into God's word. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I just ask as we come and uh, look at it today that you just uh, speak to us exactly where we are. And teach us something new. In your name, amen. Well, two men uh, were in a Learjet airplane and they crash landed in the Philippines where there are 10,000 small little islands. And they swim to one of these islands. And they are not on any plane route or boat route. They are completely and utterly stranded. One of them says, you know, he's not bothered by the fact that he's, uh, he's lost because he is so rich that he gives his church 10,000 pounds every month. And the other guy's like, what are you on about? What difference does that make? How on earth is that going to get us off this island? And the rich man replies, well, my vicar, he'll find me. And over the next few weeks, folks, yes, we are going to be looking at the subject of money. And a few weeks' time, we are going to be having, uh, as it was said in the notices, Commitment Sunday, as we ask the church family to consider what to give to the church. Now, I'm aware that this is quite a sensitive subject. It's not very English to talk about money. Um, and uh, especially in church, people suddenly feel that you're going to get a little bit manipulated into giving and coming away with the feeling that if you just give a little bit more, then God will like you a little bit more. Well, that honestly is not the reason or the motivation behind today's talk. Um, the reason we talk about money is because, well, there's many reasons. One of them is 7% of the Bible it talks about money. Uh, there are over 2,300 verses that tell us to be generous or good stewards with our resources. One out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke is about money. Eleven of the 39 parables of Je in the Gospel about Jesus, uh, with Jesus is about money. The kingdom of God is the only thing that Jesus talks more about than money. So money is a, is a hot topic in the Bible. And it's, it's much more clear and straightforward, uh, the subject of money, than many other issues in the Bible. And our, our, so our difficulty is not necessarily understanding the teaching on money. Our problem lies in a, in a different direction. The most difficult thing we have to deal with is fear. And, and there is good reason to fear, folks. Uh, the teaching of Jesus goes against virtually everything we have been taught about what constitutes about abundant life. Its implications are huge for us. It's huge for the church, and our church here at HT, and the wider church, and, and the world in general. You know, it challenges our privileged status in the world and calls us to a, a vigorous, sacrificial action. See, there is good reason to be fearful. And each of us can bring our own personal fears about money, can't we? Um, 
We may fear being without it because our parents had very little. Or you may fear the success of making it and making lots of money. Or our parents may have anxieties about money and we've ended up kind of taking those on board ourselves. Now, I don't mean to kind of trivialize these fears for they, I know, and I know them in my life, they are, they are very real. But if we don't deal with them, they can have real damaging consequences to us. If you get a, um, a monkey, any monkey, uh, and uh, uh, get a, um, a pile of nuts, and you put a cage over the nuts, not the monkey, okay, this is nice, over the, um, over the nuts, the monkey will put its hand through the cage and grab the nuts. The problem the monkey now has is with its clenched fist, it just can't get its hand back through the bars. And the monkey, they, they, according to um, Google, the monkey will be there for a long time just trying to get its hand. And uh, all the monkey has to do is let go of the nuts and take his hand back and, and it would be free. But it doesn't. It can't. It, it won't let go. And I think, you know, Jesus speaks on this subject of economics so much because he saw the grip that our lifestyles can have on us. That we are caught between what we want and what we desire so much that we, we don't know how to, to let go and to, to be free. And I don't know if that resonates with you in, in your life today. That maybe there is that fear of, I just can't let go of it. I don't quite trust God that you are really in control of this. So today, um, that's kind of my prayer, my aim for this talk, is that we would learn how to loosen our grip of fear. Fear of missing out. Uh, and to be those who, who just can trust in the Lord's provision. So let's look at how we can do that in, in, in today's passage. So Acts 4, 32 to 46, which was read today. And um, this, uh, this was by far, it's not by far a perfect church. It's new and exciting. And as you read later in the New Testament, things do start getting harder for this Jerusalem church. There is financial pressures just around the corner. Leadership divides. Persecution awaits them. And so you could easily read these, uh, these, um, these verses and dismiss this early church experience as just a bit immature or not really relevant to today's kind of established church. However, I think there are some, some real important lessons for us to learn about their view on money in, in these verses. So the first thing I want to say is they, their attitude towards money. Their attitude towards money. Verse 32. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, this doesn't mean they had... No one owned anything, and they had one bank account, and they all piled all their money in the center, and everyone distributed it. I don't think it's that. But people chose to bring money to the church. It wasn't forced. It wasn't some set required amount. The key word here in this passage, a few words, is no one claimed. No one claimed that their money was their own. Now, if I'm honest, I can sometimes feel that the money I earn, you know, is mine. 
you know, I earned it, you didn't earn it, I earned it, and this is me actually earning it right now. And uh, it was me who put in the long hours, it's me who, who, who got this job in the first place. I don't earn masses, but why should I, you know, with the money I get from the church, for goodness sake, give it back to the church. It just seems to be going around in circles. But why, you know, why should I give it to others? Where's the benefit for me? You know, I can fall into the trap of thinking that what's in my bank account or what's in my possession is mine. But is that what the Bible teaches? In, in Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it on the waters. You might think, well, that's a bit vague, you know, everything. You know, it doesn't narrow it down. Well, if that's not direct enough, Haggai 2.8 the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Poof. Okay. Okay then. My money isn't my money. It's God's and we are to let him have control of it. How does that make you feel? It's pretty scary. Dr. Carl Menninger, who is an American psychiatrist, he once asked as a wealthy patient, what on earth are you going to do with all this money you have? The patient replied, well, just worry about it, I suppose. Dr. Menninger went on, well, do you get that much pleasure out of worrying about it? No, responded the patient, but I get so much terror when I think of giving it to somebody. Now, this terror, this fear, as we're talking about, is real. And when we, we let go of money, we're letting go of, of part of ourselves, aren't we? Part of our, our, our security. But this is precisely why it is important for us to, to learn this discipline. To remind ourselves that it, it's not what I, no, that what I own is not mine, but it is, in fact, a gift from God. Perhaps we, we need to kind of rubber stamp everything in our possession, you know, by saying, you know, given by God, poof, owned by God, poof, you know, used for the purposes of God. You know, we need to find ways to remind ourselves over and over again that the earth is the Lord's. It's not ours. It's the Lord's. So that's that, that attitude with money. They knew it was the Lord's. It wasn't theirs. Secondly, is their actions with money in uh, 434 to 35. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Now, this issue of money would be just a lot easier, wouldn't it, if it was just all bad? And I could just say, you know, just need to get rid of it. All right, it's really bad news and, you know, move on and deal with it that way. But however, that is not the biblical view of money. It's, and it's often seen as a real blessing in Scripture. Uh, in 1 Kings 3, uh, it talks about Solomon's great wealth was not, and it wasn't viewed as something to be embarrassed about. Rather, it was considered as evidence of God's favor on his life. It says, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor. And so having money is not something to be guilty about, but it can be, and it needs to be a great, um, you know, it can be a great blessing to us, can't it? And here in Acts, we see members of the church blessing one another with their, with their possessions. 
Now, it seems in this passage, these were kind of one-off sporadic gifts to the church where there was some kind of, some kind of need. And there was no mention that this was a requirement to give so much or that this is a blueprint of how all members of the church should give. But instead, it was a choice to, to sell their property and to give it away because they, they maybe bought into the vision or just felt this was what the Lord was calling them to do. I remember a couple of my previous church who, who are quite wealthy, and they use some of their money to, to buy a house uh, for the church so some of the poorer members in the community could live in it for free. You know, when I first heard this, I just was going, wow, I just, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. That is extraordinary. You know, why would they do such a thing? Well, I think they, and as long uh, they would probably say, you know, they knew their money wasn't their own. And they wanted to use it to advance God's kingdom. They, they knew working for the poor and the marginalized was their real heart and passion. And that's what they wanted to invest their money into. They also knew that the negative power that money can have over them. And giving it away you know, is a, an important discipline to do. Uh, otherwise, it can turn into some kind of idol in our lives. And they knew they, they couldn't outgive the generosity that God has given to them and has continues to give them. And I think that's an important thing for us to really remember here is that God is generous and he wants to bless us in numerous ways. And fourthly, it was an investment not just for the church, but I also think it is investment for them themselves. When they start in giving sacrificially, there's a real investment for themselves. Let me explain it this way. If I was to told you next week that the pound was going to cease to exist and our currency would suddenly become the euro, okay? I know, not hugely believable, but anything can happen in this weird climate we're in. Um, you would have three choices. <clears throat> you don't believe me, so you, you probably don't do nothing about it. You just, you know, whatever. Secondly, you believe me, but you'd rather keep your pounds because at least you can spend them now. Or thirdly, you believe me. And you exchange all your pounds for euros so you'll be able to spend them in the future. And uh, the Bible talks a lot about that third option. In Matthew, it talks about investing for the future. And we can do that here on earth. And we have a choice to make. It says in Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I, for one, can often read this and go, yes, I agree with that. And, you know, those, some of those passages are very familiar to us. You go, yeah, I've heard that a hundred times. I agree with it. But actually, am I, am I ever putting this into practice? If I put on to... Uh, the screen, my bank statement right now, which I'm not going to do, uh, would it say that I'm investing into the future or, or just today? I think at the moment I can easily get caught up with the here and now and, you know, it's understandable. But this is a challenge to us all. If we believe this passage, then our, our actions on earth do affect um, what heavenly treasures we have in, our, in the future. No, it's not all about just this moment. There, is, there are consequences to what we do with our money. Jim Elliott says, 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I think there's some real amazing truth there. And I can only imagine that this early church just understood this principle. By investing into kingdom work, they were storing up treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy. So what is your your attitude towards money? Is it yours or is it God's? Are Are you kind of gripped with fear by money at the moment? What is your actions with money? What are you doing with it? Are you storing up those kind of earthly treasures or are you, are you kind of trying to use it to, to seek God's kingdom? Well, the final thing I just want to mention is um, we need to practice thanksgiving. This is more of a practical thing we could be doing, but practice thanksgiving with our money. In Acts 2, 47, this is a couple chapters before what we read, but it's still about the same church. And uh, actually, these two um, sections are um, very uh, um, similar to, to one another. And at the end of it, it, it talks about that this generous outpouring of the, of, of the church resulted in praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know, their generosity resulted not in grumbling, oh, for goodness sake, it's giving day, got to give him some cash. No, it resulted in praising God because they saw what the Lord was doing. And I I just feel, and uh, again, I'm speaking to myself here, that we need to start living, uh, learning to have a spirit of praise and thanksgiving. Now, I know this is not something that comes naturally to us, and if you have small children, you know that to be very much true. Um, But each of us are receiving the blessings of God each day, and we need to be thankful for those provisions, don't we? This is not just with money, because I realize some of us don't have very much, but all God's gifts, you know, the, the, the countryside, the rain, the sunshine, the friendships that we have, the breath in our lungs, you know, how often are we stopping to go, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for this incredible provision you're blessing me with. Why not start tomorrow by rejoicing in the miracle of sleep? You know, anyone who's in struggling from insomnia or has small babies knows what a great gift this sleep is. Or have a look at your possessions and without treasuring them, maybe, you know, uh, you know just, just, just start giving thanks for them. Thank you, Lord, for, the, for the, the amazing provision you've given me. And I think when we have a spirit of thanksgiving, we can start to hold things just a little lighter. Like that monkey illustration, we, we receive. We do not just grab and hold on to it tightly. And when it's time to let go, because sometimes the Lord will give us incredible things, but sometimes he'll ask for them back. We do so freely. Um, you know, one example that came to me when I was thinking about this is in the book of Samuel, when we read of how Hannah, who was barren, and she cried out to the Lord in total desperation for a child. Uh, and the Lord, he heard her cry, didn't he? And she eventually conceived the son, Samuel. And what is amazing um, is her response to this gift. You would imagine she would just kind of cling on to this child and say, you know, this is my, he's mine. I, I can't, you know, imagine um, sharing him with anybody. But she goes to see the priest Eli and she says to him, pardon me, Lord, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. 
I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life shall be given over to the Lord. And I always just thought that was an amazing picture of someone who doesn't just grab and hold on tight and think it is mine, but did something which sounds extremely difficult to do, but to give over the most precious gift that she had and she was blessed with back to the Lord. And her response wasn't bitterness. It response in chapter 2 verse 1 is, my heart rejoices in the Lord. It was just, it was thanking Jesus. It was thanking the Lord, wasn't it? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. In James 1 verse 17. And whether it's people or possessions or reputation, we need to have an attitude of thanks and praise for God's wonderful provision for us. So I want to just finish um, just by saying I don't want to uh, throw on a guilt trip of why you should be giving to, to HT. Stuart's doing that next week. Um, we don't want to manipulate you into to giving uh, money. Giving is something you choose to do, and, it, and it's not a requirement for coming each week. We talk about money because that's what Jesus talked a lot about. And we talk about uh, giving to the church because that's the, the, the way that the method Jesus has given us to advance his kingdom. Um, Rick Warren from the Saddleback Church in California, he said this, and it's always stuck with me. People need to give for growth. You want to be like Jesus, you need to give. The more generous you are, the bigger your heart grows. We raise our tithing every year, starting with 10%. Each year we raise it because we want to trust God more. We want to raise all the time. When it was tough, we raised our giving by a quarter of a percent. In good times, we raised three or four percent. You cannot outgive God. It's a game I've been playing for many years now, and he keeps winning. You give to God and see him win. And I just uh, want to say today, um, is if you feel spiritually dry at the moment, maybe your times with the Lord are just seem hollow and empty, then maybe it's a time you can have a bit of time of, of lavish giving to the Lord. And that's maybe what you're needing at the moment. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. These are promises that I think are really important for us to hear. So as I said, in a few weeks, we are going to be asking the whole church to this Commitment Sunday. And if you've never given before, then maybe take this week and the next couple of weeks to, to think and pray about it and ask God, what is he asking you to give? It may involve selling something or giving control over your finances or just taking that very little step of faith. And if this starts to fill you with fear, you know, that just a little bit of dread comes up, then know this, 
God has given us a promise when it comes to, to tithing in Malachi 3.10. He says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this. So I'm going to ask the band to come up right now. And, um, and I encourage, we're going to, if you want to stand up, we're going to stand up. And I'm going to just ask you to um, just have a little moment uh, with the Lord. And, um, and just bring, any, maybe if you have any fears or anxieties right now about this issue of money or pos- just the possessions that we have. Then maybe just open your hands out in front of you. That's just a symbol of... Uh, opening your hands to the Lord. And if you're comfortable doing that, just to do that. And just ask the Lord just to, to speak into your life to, to uh, help you to overcome maybe some of those fears that are um, robbing you of the, the joy that the Lord has for, it, for you. In a little while, we're going to, uh, there will be time for, for prayer ministry. And if you would just really love the Lord to, to, to meet you and speak to you about this issue of money, maybe to free you from any fears or anxieties that you've been struggling with, uh, then we would count it as a real joy to, to stand with you and pray with you. So just, just take a few moments right now. Lord, I just ask that you would help us be people who are um, joyful givers. That you will free us from any anxiety or worry or fear that uh, maybe we've, we've kind of inherited or taken on ourselves. Just speak to us now, Lord, uh, where we are and uh, just... I ask that you would help us each to take another step, another step of faith as we learn to stir up those treasures that, those kingdom treasures that moth and rust won't destroy. Amen.